0: Your conversations have to be focused on the benefit to the person you're talking with, not about what you do, not about their company, but it really has to be
1: how they benefit from doing what you're asking them to do. Welcome to the Add Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast, the place where we help entrepreneurs to not hate their boss. Our mission is to end entrepreneurial unhappiness. If you dream of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, The Add Valued Entrepreneur's Podcast will help you transform your life and business. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life that they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. My name is Robert Peterson, former passer, turned CEO, and the smiling coach. I believe that success without happiness is failing, but there is hope. Join us each week as we bring you an inspiring leader or message to help you. Thanks for investing time with us today. Just wanted to mention this episode was recorded earlier. And as our audience grows, we just wanted to share some of the value from our earlier episodes. Today's guest is Jeff West. Jeff is the award-winning author of the heartwarming business fable, The Unexpected Tour Guide. For over 30 years, Jeff has coached and led sales teams in multiple industries And has been among the top sales performers and leaders in the nation at the end of 2013 jeff left sales management to pursue his love of writing speaking and sharing success principles around the world jeff west a sales expert and i have a great conversation about sales the value of story and how important it is to put others first If you're an entrepreneur who started their business with a purpose and a passion that has been lost in the busyness of the daily grind, we get it. That is why we've opened up our free strategy calls. A lot of entrepreneurs, probably including you, just want a sense of clarity on the barriers holding them back that you need to overcome in order to accelerate your growth and achieve your dreams. These short 30 minute calls give you a chance to work with one of our coaches without any commitment or pressure. Scheduling is easy. Just go to smilingcall.com. Let's jump on a call and get you the help and clarity you need. Select a time and let's build your business. It's time for you to add value. Jeff, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Just appreciate you jumping on the show.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm honored to be a part. Thank you for
1: asking. Absolutely. So I usually ask how people got started into entrepreneurship. And so that kind of sets the tone for the conversation. (laughs)
0: I was born an entrepreneur. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's I actually, awesome. I actually have degrees to teach. I got a, a, a bachelor's in music education and a master's in music composition. And those really prepared me well to go out and be in my own business. They really did. <laughs> but at my first job out of college, uh, there were no teaching jobs open where my wife needed to finish up her degree. So I ended up in sales uh, with a musical instrument company at the time and my first year in sales i earned 50 percent more in commissions than i would have made teaching and that's where a master's degree <laughs> and so i ended up staying in the sales track and uh, with in a couple of different industries uh, uh, i left musical instruments eventually and went to to in the industrial uniform company and then that's how i ended up back in texas i'm originally from georgia But then uh, that company got sold to a competitor. I wanted to do something a little different. I stayed with that competitor for a while. And I decided, you know what? I've been in sales my whole life. I I can just sell for myself and my family. I don't need to be doing this for another company. And so that's where it began for me. And it was in the insurance industry. And the company that I chose, we we were all independent contractors. Nobody was an employee of the company. And so I built it from there. And I I had a wonderful 20-year run, including being in their field leadership uh, system, even up to being a state manager in the the Gulf Coast area of Texas and still being an entrepreneur, being self-employed, had my own employees. um, And as you well know, sometimes it's an absolute breeze and the best thing in the world. And sometimes you really have to work hard to keep yourself moving. Uh, But it, it was just... It was. I, I went into sales by accident, and I ended up as an entrepreneur because I find that I'm much better at shaving the boss's face than kissing the boss's foot. So <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: that's that's a great line, you know. But obviously, I think I think sales is the one, the one area that if you're if you're even reasonably good at it, you're set yourself up to be an entrepreneur in almost any field. Like I, I you could pick right. any item. I. My my son recently, you know, moved out and got out on his own, and, and the first big cash job that he, you know, was offered was a sales job, and I was like, you know what, go for it, even if you don't love what they're, what you're selling. Just the experience is gonna right. give you a foundation for something great, because if you can sell, you know, one thing, that translates to being able to sell. A bunch of other things. <laughs> right.
0: the, the skill set will transfer. And, and a lot of entrepreneurs that I've gotten to know well over the years, even if sales was not how they got there, they had an ability or they developed an ability to relate to people in the same context. And so their business grew because of that, because they built those relationships and uh, some were really good at that. Some did it until they could grow enough that they could hire that out, basically. Hmm. Love so that said, idea. Well, you know, it's kind of a business model now too. And it's something that I've added to what I'm doing. I just realize my things are going everywhere here. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, it's but uh, There's a, something called fractional sales management, and that's something I've actually added to my business model for those entrepreneurs that are, you know they can do it, but it's not. They're at that point where they're not really ready to hire a sales team or a sales manager, but they're looking to expand a couple of salespeople. And I've helped with some situations like that.
1: Nice. So tell me a little bit more about about that fractional sales. What uh, what, what does that model look like?
0: Basically, the fractional sales model. The way I do it, anyway, it's it's a stair step. People can have just an initial consultation, where it's an analysis of what they're doing and making some suggestions. Uh, the next step up is actually uh, 13 weekly coaching calls with the owner to help them know how to manage their sales team uh, and I'll go in if I need to do events for them like half day workshops with their salespeople uh, the the kind of the top level of it would include all of those things plus uh, giving my online assets giving them access to that and then having weekly calls with their sales team uh, get a little accountability going get some, uh coaching about specific sales situations that they have it's, it's just it's a good fit for that person who's got who's an entrepreneur who has got a few sales but not quite ready to go out and spend the money to bring in a really good sales manager to to uh kind of coach them along and in most cases what my goal is anyway is as we go through that process I want to develop someone within that team that could take over that role so they don't need me
1: nice so really, it's developing a sales a sales manager or providing sales management for teams that are too small to to need it.
0: Right, and and it's a it's a, a, a comparatively small expense for them rather than bringing in a full time sales manager. Got, granted, I don't work cheap. <laughs> right,
1: <laughs> but, it's, but it's, neither it's, does a full time sales manager.
0: Yeah, it, it's 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 a fraction of that expense. That's why they call it fractional
1: sales management. I like it. So let's, let's talk about sales. Obviously there's kind of these, these two pathways of sales, or at least when it comes to how people feel on the inside, when you talk about sales, right. They're yeah. either, you know, grinning from ear to ear, like uh, Jordan Belfort, or they're like, Oh, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and so how, how do you help entrepreneurs that that have a great solution get that, you know, Get that information out there. Right. Without, you know, we could hire Facebook ads and we could do all of these things. But the bottom line is is still
0: it comes down to communication.
1: You've got it. You've got a problem and a solution. And somehow the two got to get together.
0: Right. And I think it's kind of a natural default setting for a lot of people, not everyone, but a natural default setting that uh, of not necessarily looking at the sales part of anything as being an admirable career choice at times because and you look at it it's because of the evolution of the sales career you know the, the earliest sales examples i can find are back like in 2000 years ago uh, The first one i will quote and, and i am a person of faith so a lot of these things come up but jesus running the, the money changers out of the temple well those were unscrupulous sales people that he ran out not just people selling and so kind of that thing and then it evolves and you got the snake oil salesman and you and and it just kept evolving and and it's sometimes it's evolved because of some bad choices of the people doing the career but if you look at what a salesperson is now zig ziglar you say it's the most it's the best helping profession there is because you think about it my job uh and when i'm now of course what i'm doing now is different than the insurance industry but my job in the insurance industry it was wonderful because here's what i did i had a company who had certain things that I knew when families had certain medical situations going on, they were going to get into a financial bind. Even if they had great health insurance, they were going to get into a bit of a bind. And I knew I could help them prevent that. And I had a company that had a way to do it. And I had people who I knew would, could use the product that we were doing my job was to stand in the middle, make the connection, and help the two people do what they need to do. And so I didn't look at it as me really trying to sell anything as much as I did me trying to put uh, person A with person B. And when I made that relationship happen, I got paid in the middle. And that's pretty much an entrepreneur's journey anyway. I don't care if it's a guy down the road who's got a flooring shop or uh, an uh, automotive sales they're putting two entities together. If it's a flooring shop, he's taking some of these companies like Mohawk Industries and and Shaw Industries who make the flooring. He's got those companies. He's got other people who want to change something in their house or build a house. When he puts the two or she puts the two together, she gets paid in the middle. That is the journey of a salesperson. That is the journey of an entrepreneur. So the easiest way to feel great about what you're doing As an entrepreneur, if you truly believe and you understand how the person benefits by owning your product or having your service, then it's a piece of cake. You're not trying to sell anything. You've got something you can do. You've got someone who needs it. You're just trying to find the people that need it, so you can put them together, and you can feel good about that because everybody's winning, and that's what you want.
1: Ah, so good. So you mentioned connection, right? That that you're kind of a connector. So let's talk about developing connection and, and the value of connection?
0: Sure. Uh, the Everybody makes their decisions on any kind of decision they're making based on a combination of emotion and logic. I don't care if it's the decision about where you're going to put your kids in school or it's what you're going to do as a career choice. Every decision neurologically, it's so they say there's a guy, a Dr. Antonio Damasio, who is kind of considered the expert in that field. But one of the things that he did was a group study and and he looked at people who the areas of their brain where their emotional center and their logical center were located he studied them when uh, those people who by default or by accident uh, something happened in those two areas of the brain couldn't communicate and what he found was when that happened and those two areas could not communicate those people couldn't make decisions Mm. Uh, they could often understand the logical uh components of the choice, but they couldn't make decisions. And and what he deemed from that, and I think he's exactly right on, is that all decisions that we make are a combination of emotion and logic. So as people, when you get a salesperson who, especially if they're scared or an entrepreneur who's who's just learning that career, uh, sometimes they want to get into, here's how we do what we do. This is the greatest thing you're ever going to see and all that. It's all well, it's, it's, it's logical. It makes good sense. That's, that's a good thing. However, people don't buy just on logic. They won't do business with you just on logic. Logic's part of it, uh, but it's that emotional connection with you. So when you, when you get into uh, establishing that connection between you and the other person, uh, whether it's a business friendship or whether it's a real friendship that develops outside of business, whatever that context is, when you can establish that emotional connection and you have a logical uh, process or you have a logical solution for an issue they're dealing with, then those two are going to go hand in hand. And that person's going to make a decision to move forward with you. Uh, If you have just the emotion, that's, that's all well and good, but it's, it's not going to make it happen because if it's just emotion, you're going to get people not telling you yes or no. They're going to tell you maybe they're going to think, you know, I got, I, that sounds like something I could really use, but, I, but inside they're thinking, I'm not sure that will really work because they don't have that logical aspect satisfied. The reverse is also true. You could show them all the bells and whistles and why what you do is great. But if you haven't made that emotional connection that lets them understand why this is going to make their life better, then what they do is they say, well, you know, I think that will work, but you still don't go a yes because they're saying I don't really need that. They don't, they don't see it. But when you can combine in your process that, uh, logical connection with that emotional connection, then they say, I think I need that. And I think this will do that. And then you've got, then they're going to move forward with it. And it's, hmm. it, it, it's a, a, one of my first mentors and sales told me, he said, the secret to being successful in this career, as you go out there, you, you see lots and lots of people, you be really, really nice and get good at what you do.
1: <laughs> and that's pretty much it. <laughs> Absolutely well and and i was always i was taught that people make the majority of their decisions emotionally and then they justify the decision after after the fact with logic and so you have to have both pieces cuz they're going to walk true. away going i just bought that car oh it has oh it has ac oh it has good tires oh oh it has that oh oh yeah okay and then and then they re, they're reaffirming their decision with with the features i, you
0: I think you're spot on on that and i think what <laughs> happens is is if if someone does make that decision to purchase or to get get the service and you haven't made the two connections, even though they've signed the papers and they're going to have it, they'll get a lot of buyer's remorse. But if you do exactly what you just said, or they've got the emotion and the logic combined, then you don't get that buyer's remorse so much.
1: Yeah. Then, then they don't call and cancel right. <laughs> in, the, in their cancellation period.
0: And then and they don't care if you say, but wait, I just paid tuition for my kid." <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Man, so good. So obviously you, in in your insurance sales and 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 things that you've done in the past, you've built, you know, understand the value of a network and, and building your network. Right. And and that and that translates into building a network for yourself as a as a sales coach. Right. What what tools have been the most helpful in in building a network? There are two
0: books that I give credit for changing my career. This was January of the year 2000. I'm going in for a, a, an annual review, quarterly review with with uh, one of the upper like people. And uh, he, he became a great mentor to me. He's guy named Frank Davies. And that Frank sat down he said, I've got two books I want you to read. And I said, Frank Davies, I'm a grown man. I'll decide <laughs> what books I read and I don't read. And I'm reading those <laughs> two books this weekend. <laughs> but but he He actually, he gave me John, uh, Dr. John C. Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, which is immensely important to anyone in any kind of leadership role, whether it's in business or it's in church or in life or whatever. And the second book he gave me is by a common friend of ours, Bob Berg. It's called Endless Referrals Hmm. and uh, Endless Referrals and the 21 Irrefutable Laws. (laughs) I knew knew you'd have it. I knew it. I knew it. I can tell. But the uh, those two books literally changed the course of my career because what happened was I, I was a, a district sales coordinator with Af, with the insurance company that I, I guess I'll go ahead and say it with AfLAC at the time, and uh, again as an independent contractor. But uh, I would I was an okay district uh, coordinator. I would make my numbers one year, I would miss them the next, that kind of thing. I, I wasn't going to get fired, but I wasn't a, a standout. I got those two books and within two years i was a regional sales coordinator two years after that i was a state sales manager and i I was a state sales manager for 10 years until i retired and so uh that uh, retired from that industry then do what i do now but uh, that's what changed it and there was two things that bob had in that book that just it totally struck home there's so much great material in that book everybody everybody who watches you should get that book especially if they're entrepreneurs or salespeople that those are the people this is going to make the most sense to. But there's a lot of techniques in there. But two things that really stood out to me was when Bob was talking about the idea that your your conversations have to be focused on the benefit to the person you're talking with, not about what you do, not about their company, but it really has to be how they benefit from doing what you're asking them to do. And so I, I totally changed the way my entire team did things after that. We, we tripled volume in one year. It was that big of an impact. And then the second thing that he taught in that book, I adapted slightly. As a matter of fact, in, the, in my book that, uh, that I wrote that came out when I was stepped out of Aflac, uh, it's called the unexpected tour guide. I used this scenario in that book and because it really happened to me in real life, but it was a concept of being the connector between people in your network. When you're networking, Don't focus on how many people can I get leads from, get, here's my card, all that. You focus on being the person that puts two great people who can use each other's services together. You be the person that brings everyone together, you get known as that connector, and then all of a sudden everyone wants to be around you and it helps you do business as well. And the the first time I really applied that in my situation, I went into a company it was in downtown Dallas. It was one of my existing clients. It was a, a company and they had about, if I remember correctly, they had about 40 or 50 employees, which was a decent sized uh, group for us. And he uh, it was a mortgage company and I had called him on the phone. I said, hey, I'd like to swing down there and visit with you for about 20 minutes. I want to pick your brain on some things. And he said, sure. And so I went down there and uh, I met with him and I said, look, you are important to me. I feed my family because I do my job and Affleck Pays me Commissions. And you guys uh, are, uh, you're, you've got a lot of great uh, employees here. They seem to love us. And I said, that's important to me. You're helping me feed my family. I want to kind of return the favor to you. I appreciate your business. But what I want to ask you is this. I run into a lot of people. I'm prospecting every day. I've got a lot of existing clients. Could you take just a minute and tell me what questions do I need to be asking out there? What do I need to be finding out from my circle of influence to know if these people would be a great referral for me to send your way? And then I shut up and I was ready to take notes. The first thing he did, I am not even slightly exaggerating. He had his glasses on like this. He said, I'm going to answer your question, but I have to tell you something first. And I said, what? He said, I've been in business 30 years and I've had a lot of salespeople Asked me for referrals. And I've certainly given those out. He said, you're the first salesperson in my entire life. Who's ever asked me how you could refer business to me. Mm-hmm. He said, thank you. Mm-hmm. And then we begin to strategize about how to do it and about having lunches at, at his place and, and inviting clients of mine in clients of his in and getting everybody doing business, kind of turn it into a, a similar thing. You'll see at any networking lunch kind of thing, but we did that. And the first thing I did while after he told me what to do, I picked up my phone. I had my cell phone with me and I called somebody and I said, hey, I've got I want to ask you a question. I've got a friend uh, and a business acquaintance of mine who does this and he's looking to expand his business in this way. Would it be all right if I give him your contact information? And I did this right in front of the guy. And my contact said, sure, that'd that'd be fine. And I said, well, expect a call from him. I know him. I like him and I trust him and you can too. And so I hung up. Gave him the information and he got a good he got a end road on an account that way it's that type of networking that really pays off for your long term it's not the let's show up at a lunch and gift cards out and have have hors d'oeuvres and although that's a wonderful thing too don't get me wrong but if you're in a situation like that if any of your uh, listeners are in a situation like that go a step further when it's your turn to say what you do you can say a little bit about what you do but then tell everybody look more importantly I want to know from each of you, what do I need to be asking my circle of influence to know if they're a good referral for me to send your way? If you can come up to me during our breaks and tell me that, I will. that's what I want to know because then, then it's an active way to do it. So,
1: Yeah, so good. I uh, I joke about my first Chamber of Commerce meeting and just even in the middle of you know having a conversation with two or three other people and some guy comes flying by saying, business card, business card, business card. <laughs> you know, like you're trading business card with another business card like we're... <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what they're doing, yeah. you know. And then of course, you know, two days later, you get added onto their email list, and and like I don't even remember meeting this person. Why like, <laughs> why am I on their email list? And then you realize, oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh,
0: another thing that Bob teaches, as you know, because you you uh, you know Bob and you know the book. He teaches about having little uh, envelope-sized cards with your picture on there and your benefit statement, and you send out handwritten thank you notes. Uh, Number one, I'll say two things about that. When I first read the book, it's not like you and I are now. We're mature, handsome men now. I wasn't so confident about my appearance back then. So I I wasn't exactly keen on that, but I did it. But also, it was that handwritten thank you note and how he teaches in the book. And my goal used to always be, whether it was that particular note or any thank you note, I literally, when I would set an appointment, whatever was going on, after every presentation, after every sales conversation, I was always sending out thank you notes. And one day I was in Fort Worth, Texas, and I was making a face-to-face cold call on a business there. That was our business model with Affleck back then. And I walked in the door, I said what I said. He agreed to meet with me the next afternoon, I think it was, I think it was one day later. It was one day later the next afternoon, but it was the morning that I was in there. I go to my car. I write out my thank you note. They're right across from the post office. I <laughs> drop it in the post office. When I walked in the door the next afternoon, he said, how the heck did you do this? Because <laughs> he had my thank you note in his hand. He had already gotten it. <laughs> I said, hey, you're not dealing with a slouch here.
1: <laughs> yeah thank you notes definitely you know make a difference and 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 it changes the the level of of awareness right even if it's just you know they they take the card and it goes straight in the trash there's still an awareness attached to your image to your face to the note and and it and it it does make a difference um i've had one or two clients that that commented oh you you you're old school like like mailing a letter was was old school, and and we right. still we still mail letters. We have personalized cards that that we used, and actually, Bob sent me his card for being on my show before I sent my thank you card to him. So he beat me. He beat me <laughs> to it. <laughs> Even though it's part of our, it's just part of our system, right? It it's, is. It's
0: well, you just, know, the other thing I think the thank you notes do. It, it it's a good business thing. It's a good way to build that relationship. I think the thank you note is it equally big, equally important to our own personal psyche to be thankful for everything. And and it's not always easy because sometimes life just doesn't give you the right stuff that you want at the moment. But uh, just, just that little thank you note. It's something about us being grateful in that mix. I have to tell you the funniest thank you note story. Uh, My best friend who is uh, also now my financial advisor, uh, he was uh, best man in my wedding. He was one of my salespeople uh, on my team up in North Texas. And uh, we talked about thank you notes and he, he made a cold call on a company. I think it was in Wichita Falls, Texas. And the owner was, let's just say, less than pleasant about him walking in the door. <laughs> so when he got out of there, he took the time to write the guy a thank you note. And he wrote, and I quote, I just wanted to send you a quick note thank you for throwing me out of your business today and he put a little smiley face and says it was nice to meet you something like that (laughs) he he mailed it the guy calls him it had his card in there he calls him and says you got to come back you're the only person to ever thank me for throwing you out (laughs) nice
1: i it it really does it really does make a difference you know one of one of my I, i have a friend in fact he's been a guest on the show already and he's a specialist at gifting and he does all of these gifting things. And, and so my wife and I decided we're going to send him a gift basket, but we went a step further and we knew where he went to school. And so we you know, bought a coffee mug from his school, from his alma mater and made sure that the basket was personalized with, with his alma mater. And so,
0: Excellent. you know, those are,
1: those are things I credit Bob Berg with because I love giving and I love, I love Trying to step it up, right? Trying to trying to take it to another level, and and I'd I'd love that, like sending him a card that just says, "Yeah, thanks for kicking me out," you know, made my day. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love to send I love to send notes and love to 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 be grateful um, for for not just what I've had, but but the people that I encounter along the way. And I agree right. with you that that's just a, a big part of it. So. I want to ask you about mentors, but let's talk more about gratitude first and the value of of gratitude in in elevating your character. Uh,
0: The concept, the mentality of reminding yourself to be grateful and be thankful in all areas, it's not always easy, but it is pretty much always the right thing to do. There are exceptions, obviously, if you have illnesses and families that are dealing with situations. But I'll even tell you, that there are times where uh, even you can find ways to be grateful in that. Uh, When it comes to the entrepreneurial journey or a sales journey, uh, I had a a great friend back in Georgia. I was one of my first outside sales jobs. And he told me, he said, he said, if they say yes, be thankful. If they say no, be thankful. If they say yes, great. You're going to make a a commission. If they say no, great. The good Lord just kept you from dealing with a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, and granted, they're not all, not everybody who says no is a jerk, but it's it still got the point across. But uh, I've even had uh, certain uh, unpleasant situations that I had to just remind myself be grateful in all situations, be grateful in all things. Uh, because, uh, well, I'll, you know I can't get into too much detail with that without being too, but let me rethink how I will explain this to you. Uh, I had a medical situation that happened and uh, it was not pleasant, but it also turned out not to be a huge, big deal. It was just a little bit scary at first. And, but in the process of that, a couple of other things showed up that way I got to get that checked out uh, and it was good to know, okay, I'm fine. I'm, I'm completely fine. That's not an issue. And so there's just, there are, there are times, uh, where I will tell you, I, uh, may have struggled to be thankful. But I hope they were few and far between.
1: So. Absolutely. Well, I love that, right? Thankful for the no. But the truth is, if you understand sales at all, is that yes lives in the land of no. Absolutely. There's no way to get a yes without getting some no's. <laughs> just, Absolutely. That's just the natural cycle of it. Yeah. And you know what? And what happens to our psyche? We are
0: trained from being from childhood going forward that the word no is a negative thing. And then, yes, if you look at grammatically, it's a negative, but it's not really a negative thing. But we, we grow up thinking that, uh, or we were taught, okay, don't touch that stove. No, it's hot. Uh, You go, you, you, so you, you kind of get that ingrained to you. Then you go to school. And uh, if you have a test with 10 questions in school and you get seven of them wrong, they don't talk about the three you got right. You get a a paper sent home with a big letter F on there and it stood for failure. But there are exceptions to those kind of mentalities. And two of the biggest exceptions to that, number one, is baseball. Do you know what you call a baseball player who can hit the ball successfully three times out of 10? The seven that he strikes out means nothing. The guy who can hit the ball. All-star, you got it right, and probably Hall of Famer. And you know what? You definitely call a millionaire. And you know what you call a salesperson or an entrepreneur who can make the connection happen and, and get paid three times out of 10? Pretty much the same thing if you're in the right industry.
1: And Absolutely. So
0: it's, it's, it's just a, it's an idea. Uh, there was a great book that I read and I'm, I'm sure you've read too called go for no. And it kind of really tried to drill in that process. And uh, so it's, it's just an awesome, awesome thing to think about. You don't have to get yeses. You just have to go through the nos to get to the yeses. That's all it really amounts to. And Absolutely. you'll get the yeses if you get your techniques
1: right. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by perfect publishing, a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing carefully chooses heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You will see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at getadoseofhope.com. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. So you mentioned one of your mentors earlier. Let's let's talk about the value of a mentor and then what would you recommend for for someone searching for a mentor or or wanting to get another mentor?
0: Okay, Uh, the value of a mentor is immense, and it's not just in your business life. Uh, I will tell you one of the greatest mentors that I had uh, was a guy named Jack Amberson, A-M-B Amberson. Uh, He was my first sales manager on my first job. And I got a lot of sales value from, from him. He, he gave me my first sales book. It was uh, called how I raised myself from failure to success in selling by Frank Betcher. But Jack set an example for me that changed my life. Uh, when and I, I, I got to watch myself cause I can get kind of emotional on this, but, uh, When Jack, uh, when I went to interview for that particular position, I was actually in graduate school in Texas. I went back to the state of Alabama because that's where the company was. And I spent a week with Jack during spring break and I rode, I stayed at his house. I ate with his family. I uh, rode with him during the week. So I learned a lot of things. This is the character of the man. Uh, He had two young children at the time uh one was maybe in the first grade and one was younger than that and uh he uh, every morning we'd be in there having coffee and breakfast and when his kids would wake up he'd open his arms big and wide he would say, he would say come here and he would they would jump up in his lap and he gave him a big hug and he gave him a kiss and he said something that just I'm telling you it changed my future he gave him a big hug and a kiss and he said I love you I am so glad God picked me to be your daddy Uh, Let me tell you, I know my parents loved me. Don't have any doubt. They worked hard. I, I know they loved me, but they weren't someone who would express that like that. I saw that and I thought that's different. I like this. As a result, my two daughters, when they were born, I have, I have expressed that kind of love to them. I have, uh, I, I always say, I do know that love at first sight exists because I experienced it twice, <laughs> both on the days my daughters were born and the doctor put them in my arms. Yes, I fell in love at first sight and it's till the day I die. Mm-hmm. And, and so that love that I developed as a father because of that mentor is huge to me. <laughs> and what I, I had sent Jack a letter about that. And, uh, and, uh, cause I, I'd worked for Jack for two years. Went on with life and as i as i go I, thought, I need to send him a letter let him know how important he was to me and so i did and uh he called me and he was in tears and he said i just have to tell you how much this meant and then when i wrote my book uh, the unexpected tour guide the sales manager that is in that book is jack Amberson, and i i was writing his character into the story anyway but i asked for permission to use his name and he gave it And I I saw him, I guess it was last month. We're talking 40 years later. Mm -hmm. I I saw him last month and I said, I have to tell you what happened. He said, what? I said, I was uh, visiting with my daughter and son-in-law and uh, grandchildren. And I watched my daughter go up to her kid, my grandbaby, and say, I love you so much. I'm so glad that God picked me to be your mama. Mm -hmm. And I said, Jack, you didn't just change me, you changed a lineage Hmm. legacy. It's, it's, it's incredible. So that, that kind of mentorship is important and and the value of getting a mentor, both in business and in personal, I've had, I have had such good blessings to do that. Um, uh, But when I uh, was in my uh, career in the insurance industry, I mentioned Frank Davies earlier, just a great mentor to me when I began to branch out. Uh, when I decided I had the book I had written and I had decided I was going to kind of go into the speaking arena, Bob Berg has been a great mentor to me. he, he, he I have to tell you the story about how we met in a minute. But the—the uh, the, to have someone who's been in your shoes, stepped in the holes, <laughs> knows where the, the things are you should avoid, who's willing to share with you is immensely important. And the way to find a mentor when you're looking for another mentor, it's pretty uh, my best advice to you. You find someone who has done what you want to do, that they're the kind of person that you also want to be, kind of be around. None of us are perfect by any stretch, but they're the kind of person that you think, okay, I wouldn't mind that person being around my family. That, that. Uh, but call them up, say, hey, I respect what you do. I want to learn things. I'd like to do that. Would it be possible for me to come buy your lunch one day? and you say, I'll buy your lunch, I just wanna shut up and let you talk to me. You'll be surprised how many people will say, absolutely, I'll be glad to do that. I've done it online with people before. And it's just huge because what happens is a good mentor uh, can help you learn by wisdom rather than experience. You can learn by experience, you absolutely can. You can go out there, do things, read books, learn, do all those things, go out there and bump your nose and get your bruises, but be tough and you can be successful. I did a lot of that in the beginning myself. But when you can learn from someone else's experience, that's a lot less painful. And it's called wisdom at that point. So you're learning from wisdom. I have to tell you a Bob Burke story since we both uh, are Bob fans. Ever since Frank, my mentor, had given me that book, uh, Endless Referrals, after I saw what it did in my case, I began to tell everyone about that book. And Frank would have me come in and talk to the sales school up in North Texas because my career journey, actually, basically, when you get down to it with my Aflac days, it started from being in a mobile home that it was almost an exaggeration to call it a mobile home. It was, uh, floor was falling out. It was embarrassing because I had to move my family out of a nice middle class neighborhood because of the financial situation wasn't happening for me. And from that grew a very successful multimillion dollar career. So that was the journey. And Frank would have me come in and talk to the salespeople and so I was I would recommend Bob's book to everybody well I was a regional sales coordinator for Aflac and this was probably in 2001 2000 no no 2002 three something like that and it was in Plano Texas my administrator buzzes me and she says you've got a, a phone call and I said who is it and she said it's a guy named Bob Berg and I said sure it is i got a buddy (laughs) that's playing a joke i'm getting pranked here
1: yeah right
0: (laughs) and so i get on the phone and of course you know bob's got this voice that's just wonderful he says he has positive vocal velocity (laughs) 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 but he's he said hi jeff this is bob berg and i said sure it is fella he said, excuse me. (laughs) I started laughing and said, you're playing a joke on me, right? He said, no, this is Bob Byrd. And I said, oh, my goodness. And then I told him the story about what I'd been saying about his book and all that. Long story short, that connection, uh, I began to help him get into AFLAC speaking events. And uh, once I became a state sales coordinator, I really was able to help him nationwide get into a lot of stuff. And he's referred things to me. I've referred things to him. And it's just... uh, He's, he he is one of the best people I have ever seen in my life about living the message that he preaches. Mm. Because as you know, you and I are good at what we're doing and we've got a message that we espouse and, and we 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 do our best to live that. Never seen anybody as good as Bob at that because mm. he is the go-giver. You know, as you know, the, the, uh, the, for those that don't know yet, the, the endless referrals was turned into a parable, which is my favorite style of writing. It's, it's my, what my book is. It's a business parable. But, uh, he is the go-giver he's just, that's just who he is. So,
1: yeah. So terrific. So obviously you mentioned character, right? Living, living the life that you say you're, you're living or living the life that you're teaching others to live. Right. (laughs) Um, so let's talk a, a little bit about character as, as an entrepreneur.
0: Character as an entrepreneur will show up at every part of your business. Uh, you, you have to, Always uh, the easiest way to have good character in a business situation is to always have the other person's interest at, your, at heart. Mm. If you're always focused on, okay, how can I help that person? Uh, what's the issue they have in their life? What's the, 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 what's this? What is, are they dealing with it that I have the solution for? So focus on them, number one. And that will help your character because then you're not focused on putting money in your pocket. Even though you will put money in your pocket, you'll put lots of money in your pocket. But being focused on that other person is is kind of the biggest thing that will help that. But once they are your customer, then you become focused on how can you help them get the maximum value out of your product or service, not just to have it. And so thank you for having it, but how to get them to have that maximum value back when I was uh, in the insurance industry, uh, Aflac was a different type of product. It wasn't the normal health insurance. It was supplemental It was in addition to their health insurance, and it paid money to them. Well, uh, of course, the HIPAA rules back then would allow me to get a little bit more involved as an agent. Now, HIPAA rules, agents, they can be involved, but it's a little bit trickier. But what I would do when someone would tell me that I had um, uh, that they had a claim, the first thing I would do literally was say, especially if it was a more serious claim, is I would say, "Okay, I'm going to come see you. Will you be at home or would you want me to wait and see you at work tomorrow? and i would go to them and i would visit about what had happened to them as a as a friend first and then i would help them with their claim to make sure that they got the maximum amount of money that they were due because if i left it to them to do it on their own they may or may not be good at that and it was just something that i did and i so it's that value focus where you're focused on other people that's what's going to give you the right character Uh, if you uh, the truth is when it comes to good character None of us are perfect we all have days where we don't want to make the calls. We don't want to do what we do. So that's just part of life. But if your character is always focused on the value to other people and your internal character says, I will never do someone wrong. I won't make what I consider unethical and immoral choices in a business context like that. I won't do that. You, you make those two choices. Everything else is going to work its way out. Uh, I used to say uh, to new salespeople who come on board with us and add, uh, Again, I it was a it's a different animal now, and I realize that that you in a business context you can't always do things that I did. But uh, I worked for myself; no one was going to tell me not to do this because I wasn't going to listen anyway. <laughs> but when I would get new salespeople, I would say, "Look, in my opinion, the key to this is you work like it's all up to you." You pray like it's all up to God; things will work their way out. But you still have to get up and do the work because God cannot steer a parked car. You got to go to work.
1: <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel, but we're not going anywhere.
0: You got to be moving. You can't be in park. <laughs> nice.
1: Well, obviously, because of your success, that that's allowed you to do a lot of a lot of different things. One of the things I, I like to share is is contribution. How how has your journey allowed you to to contribute and, and give back
0: uh the the thing i'll say the most about that my pet charity i i, I believe in the principle of tithing at, at my church i have been at sometimes better that, that than others but i've always been trying uh, but the uh, uh, there's a favorite charity that I've always had that because I began to make enough money, I could fund at higher levels. It made a bigger difference. Uh, one of, there's a children's cancer center in Atlanta, uh, and it's uh, the Aflac Cancer Center. And that was a kind of a pet project of mine. And, and so making a larger income allows you to make a larger difference. And the better you get at what you do is going to do that for you. Uh, but it, it's also in the small things. Uh, the, one of the one of the, the the in my book, The Unexpected Tour Guide, there, there basically are two main characters. There's ancillary characters, but there's two main characters. The salesperson who's struggling uh, with his career and his life and a homeless man. And the homeless man totally changes his direction. And I won't spoil the story because it's it's not a normal type of story. But the person that I envisioned when I was writing the book was my office in i was in houston texas at the time and my office was right on a major freeway and every day when i would go to lunch i would go down to the parking garage i would pull out i'd get on the the uh, we call them feeder roads in houston but access roads if you're in anywhere else in the nation and i would do a little u-turn down there and go up to where the restaurants that i was going to was and it was an area where homeless people gathered and there were multiple homeless people there but there was this older fellow that was there that he just uh, it's just like he always caught my eye and i would say hello to him and i would always do something but every now and then just because i wanted to and this wasn't somebody who this was somebody who obviously had they weren't there because they just wanted to fool people this person really had situations obviously you could tell but uh every now and then i just I'd take a hundred dollar bill and give it to him. And I'd fold it up and put it And, and I'd, I would I'd just say, good, have a good day. And I just keep going. But I'd hear him as I went around the curve doing that because he'd go, oh, good day today. And you could hear it. And uh, if you are the kind of person that you're just kind of open to life and, and you want, you want everybody to have a better life, so many opportunities will present themselves that you can do things and you can be charitable and you can be giving and uh i uh, you have to kind of settle something in your mind a lot of entrepreneurs go into the journey a lot of sales people go into the journey and they were like me they never they had never had an affluent life whatsoever uh they i grew up uh, i won't say we were poor my mother was poor she just took me with her everywhere all right? <laughs> but we I, I remember when I got married, I had to take my I had to get my sister to help me show my wife all the different places we lived because we lived in 14 places before I got into the third or fourth grade. Wow. And it was a lot of turmoil. But uh, as an entrepreneur, as a salesperson, you've got to kind of come to grips with it's OK to make money. And I remember uh, that was a struggle for me, to be honest with you. I had to figure out that the money is not evil. The love of money may be evil, but money itself is not evil. It's it. You can do good with it. You can do bad with it. And the truth is at times in my life when I didn't have a lot of money, that's when my focus was focus was more on money. And as I began to make more money, I began to release that focus. And I, I still don't get me wrong. I'm a big believer in Dave Ramsey's style of handling your stuff, but, uh, uh, you, you, your focus changes. But that entrepreneurial journey, you, you're going to have to come to grips and it's OK to sell your product or service and it's OK for you to make money doing it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you have to be you have to have something, you know, provides enough value to the person that you're going to be providing them way more in value than what you're taking in compensation.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, you,
0: you know, when you have that, you know, you've got it pretty much whipped, I think. You still have Absolutely. to go out and do the work. But. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you've mentioned the book a few times. So what has been the impact of, of being an author?
0: You know uh it has been a door opener in so many cases it was an absolute labor of love for me uh i i being an author especially in my situation because i almost went into acting and i, I had a lot of different areas that i thought about doing and i was planning on being a band director and just a lot of different things so i love that creative expression and when i was when i did the book i was kind of afraid it wasn't going to be up to par or whatever. And the first person I sent the book to was actually Bob. I called him. I said, hey, can I I send you something? And because we're friends, he can't can't do that everywhere, but because we're friends, he said, yeah, send it to me. I'll read it. He called me when he finished it. He liked it. And and he said some extremely complimentary things. He's one of the people who endorses the book. Uh, But it's, I love finding ways to explain concepts to people in such a way that not only do they get it, but they retain it and in stories they'll you can give a technical book and they'll get it but when you give stories and they learn it through a story they retain it it's completely different and before i even began became an author i was um uh, w- with my sales team I would send out coaching emails and it was a it was a similar style of parables and I'd be telling a story about growing up and I'd work a sales lesson into it or I'd be telling a story about getting stuck in traffic and I'd work a sales lesson into it so it, it's been wonderful on that uh it's gotten a little recognition and that's always nice uh the, uh it's been a door opener to work with people that maybe I wouldn't have gotten to work with otherwise uh and uh, just kind of depends on the thing uh there's uh, a fellow that uh, i know pretty well got named doug crow and he's he's got a, a a business called author your brand and i was on his podcast not too long ago uh but it's it's having a book like that adds to your credibility as far as promoting how you want to coach people what you want to do and it, it, it's a it is a huge step it raises you to a different level on that but with my book i didn't, wouldn't think about any of that when i wrote it i thought I want to teach people how to go out and be better salespeople. And I want to do it in a story. And uh, my wife, when she, I gave it her, the manuscript to read, uh, the, she started reading when we went to bed. And the, the first night she read like the first chapter, maybe two chapters, and she went on to sleep. The next night, she's like the same thing. She started reading about 1.30 in the morning. She elbows me and she says, darn you. Or are close to that. <laughs> she, said, <laughs> she said, I couldn't put it down. I finally finished it. But I'm up at 1.30 in the morning, and I said, that's sweet, honey, thanks. <laughs> but it, it's, it's something I'm proud
1: of. Nice. So let's talk about how important is play and fun.
0: Oh, I don't – I know for me personally, play and fun has to be there, or Jeffrey's a very unhappy camper. <laughs> and it, it, maybe it's my – I have it, a personality that – tends to be, I can be I can, I can be the introvert. I can be someone sitting in the corner and never say a word, but that's not the normal for me. The norm for me is to get out and play with people and have fun. That's why I never minded cold calling in sales because I, would look, I was just going out and play with people. Some would say yes. Some would say no. I really didn't care. I was going to go play. And if, if I could make them laugh, it made me happy. And uh, so fun's got to be there. I used to take uh, one day per month, even when I was uh, I was becoming successful, I guess is the best way to say it. I would take one day per month that if I hit my goals, I took the day off. I went and watched movies or I went and played golf. I did something. And then as my career began to progress, I played golf a little more often, maybe. <laughs> but it, it has to be there. You have to, it, if you can't have joy doing what you're doing, and if you can't have joy in your life because of the fruits of what you do, it's, it makes your life a little harder. So, it's the way to keep yourself motivated is if, if if you know that, okay, if I'm able to do this, I can do these things with my family. I can bring my children up in a better neighborhood. I can uh, bring bring them up in better schools. I can, we can go take that trip. We can do whatever whatever it means to you. If you can pair that joy, those things you do with what you're trying to do for a living, then what you've actually done is what I said earlier, you've connected the logical part of what you're trying to do for a living with the emotional part of the people you care about most in your life. And it's how you survive. Mm-hmm. You know, with me, I, I, I remember the worst, I, I guess alcoholics say they have to hit rock bottom. And I never had that particular challenge, but I remember career wise, I had just started in the insurance industry. I was in a bad financial situation and, uh, I kind of drew a line in the sand and I won't go through the story because I know we're toward the end of the hour, but the I drew a line in the sand and I said, no more, I can't let my children grow up in a life that's going to be this way if I don't change this. Mm-hmm. And so as I went forward, I kept, I kept child, uh, pictures of my daughters and my day timers, what we carried back then. Now I can just look on my phone, which I could show you right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, uh, I would use that And the joy that I had, and what the emotional connection I had with them, it when I would walk in a door, if somebody was less than pleasant, I didn't care. I wasn't doing it for that person. I was doing it for the 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 two bundles of joy that were in my calendar with me. And so,
1: well, and really, that that's just you know going back to Simon Sinek's, you know, know your why, right? Absolutely. And and your why can be drive you know drives everything, and and when your why brings you great joy, you you've got an incredible thing going. So. So let's talk a little bit about the the blessings of, of basically, you know, being an entrepreneur and raising your family.
0: Uh, The blessings of the being the entrepreneur, especially when it ties to the family is there's something to be said for your children, seeing that doesn't matter the struggles you go through. If you determine that you're going to get the job done and you're not going to stop and they see that, and then you provide that, uh, you're setting a, an example for them that'll make their life better. Uh, there are areas where I've messed up, you'll mess up, but there, if you can have enough of those good things that create that kind of memory for your children, uh, it's, it's just huge. And the, the blessings of an entrepreneur, I, I laugh about this and I, I was having a good discussion with a very close friend. I had gotten an offer to be vice president of sales for a company and I turned it down and, he, he said, that's a good thing you turned it down. And I said, why? And he said, I don't think you could work for anybody else anymore. And that's probably true because for, let's see, for 28 years, I've worked for me. And uh, doesn't mean that I have, don't have customers that I would answer to. doesn't mean I don't have situations that I would deal with. But I decide who I do business with and who I don't. I decide uh, when I work and when I don't. So... There's there's no perfect thing in life, but for the one who's really got that entrepreneurial spirit, the one who's got that salesperson, uh, the good salesperson, not the sleazy kind that we're that sometimes people think about, but that salesperson mentality that says I can put this person with that company and I make a couple of bucks for doing it. But if I put thousands of people with that company, I'm making thousands of bucks for doing it. So it's, it's just, uh, it's a mentality that's different, but, uh, the blessings of working for yourself are for me personally, just, uh, irreplaceable. And then and if, if you do well, which if you stay after long enough, you normally will, If you, you got to pick the right vehicle. You got to put the right work in and do the right things. But if you do that, oh my goodness, the, the, Financial benefits are there, but it's more about the things that aren't financial. Every, everything else in your life that you can do at that point uh, is it's a blessing that that you have to remind yourself every day. I'm I'm blessed beyond what I deserve, but thank you so much that I have it.
1: Well, I think once once you figure it out, right? Once you cross, there's a line you cross that makes you unemployable.
0: I think you're exactly right. That, that's a great way to put it. When I first started working for myself, I had been with a company that bought. The, the company that I transferred to Texas and that company had gotten acquired is what we said, but we got bought out and I stayed with that company for a while. And then I quit in a grand fashion. one day. <laughs> Sometime when we're not going out to your podcast, I'll tell you the whole story. Nice. <laughs> it was, uh, it was loud. Let's just, I quit loudly one day and, uh, the, uh, I was on unemployment for about six weeks. I was going under financially. And that's when I started with my entrepreneurial career. And I, to- I used to tell people, I say, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I'm creatively self-unemployed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice. Very nice. Well, on that note, let's change things up a little bit. What was your favorite or your most memorable date with your wife?
0: Oh, gosh. Uh, our very first date. Well, my wife and I had known each other for years uh, and... Uh, our very first date, it was around her birthday. And I said, I, I'd like to take you on a trip for your birthday. And she said, okay. So I took her to Kenny Bunkport, Maine, we're in Texas. And, uh, we went up to Kenny Bunkport and stayed a week up there. And, uh, it was beautiful. It was our first time to just really have just us time. And, uh, that's probably the most memorable. That's as much as I can say without blushing. So
1: nice. So, so what do you love to do in your free time?
0: I play a lot of golf and I love to fish. Actually, uh, uh, when I left Aflac, stayed in the Houston area for about three more years. We decided we wanted to get away from big cities and we bought a little ranch. I call it a ranch. My wife calls it a farm. It's thirty five acres and a little fifteen hundred square foot house. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got cows on it and several things. But uh, I've totally lost the question. Remind me what the question was. I'm like, <laughs> uh, fishing. I was going to, I was talking about fishing. But i've got a three acre bass pond there and uh i have i was i had, had done fishing before but it was what i call spoiled fishing <laughs> uh, the, kind of, the kind of thing when your company says oh you have qualified for this we're going to send you fishing now and somebody else baits your hook and somebody else takes it off and says throw it over there but now i've got a bass pond and i've caught some rather large bass on that pond and i enjoy that but golf is kind of my biggest outing as far as just like me time on that Love spending time with my grandbabies and my children. So.
1: Mm, nice. So, what inspires you? Uh,
0: I've been blessed to have a lot of inspirations. What inspired me the most was my children. Mm. They they still inspire me. They become such good people. Uh, my oldest daughter lives in uh, Hendersonville, Tennessee. Uh, she's married to a man who's in the ministry. My daughter works at uh, uh, Volunteer State University as an academic advisor. Uh, they just bought a new house not too long ago. They've got a son that's a year old. And uh, my youngest daughter and her husband, uh, they live in North Texas. And she has a degree in acting, but she's a full time mom. And my son in law does an awesome job providing for their family. And she's got two babies. And they, they've just grown into good people. They're the kind of people that, have, even if I didn't know them, I'd want to hang out with them. I like nice. Them. <laughs>
1: that's a great feeling. It is. A
0: true <laughs> love blessing.
1: To, love to want to hang out with your children
0: yes yes i think (laughs) they want to hang out with me too i think it works both ways
1: absolutely so what's what's your big dream jeff
0: oh big dream right now i'm having to refocus i'll be honest with you one of the blessings of that we've been talking about is i don't necessarily have to do things anymore and uh so i'm kind of refocusing on that and so for me my overall dream is i just want to live a life that when i'm done my children can be proud of their father and miss me, but be so proud that uh, it, it'd be a good thing that they think about, not a bad thing. Uh, I have kind of, in my personal business model, I've uh, kind of gotten passionate about a couple of things. I, I think the health insurance industry is is built on such a bad model in so many ways, and there are alternatives out there that people can do that will save families in my case, and I I won't go into the details on your show here because that's not your focus, but in my case, changing a couple of things, it saves me about $22,000 a year just in insurance premiums alone.
1: Hmm.
0: (laughs) It's crazy. And, uh, so, but I won't get into all that. People can, if if they go to jeffcwest.com, they'll find the, if they try hard enough. So
1: (laughs) nice. All right. So you've just had that, uh, coffee or, uh, whatever whatever your favorite beverage is with with a young entrepreneur but you're gonna leave them with jeff words of wisdom as as they as they leave what would you share
0: um the thing i would probably share the most is what I something i actually said earlier because it's my thing to say you go out and work like it's all up to you get good at your job be focused on other people work like it's all up to you and then if even if you're not a person of faith, you need to have something that you want to do with your success that means something to somebody outside of you. So I say work like it's all up to you, pray like it's all up to God and things tend to work their way out. But if you'll find something bigger than you, that means something to you, whether it's your family or even if you're alone, find some charity, find some something that's a cause that will make you feel good about everything you do. Then what you'll find is that translates into motivation to get your job done, to get the entrepreneur journey done, to make the sales job happen. And when you can do that, I used to tell people that I don't know that it can be a mission because I think missions uh, have a a different context, but it can certainly be a cause that makes you very proud and gives you a a feeling of uh, accomplishment inside that means more than money.
1: Hmm. Absolutely. Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time today and for sharing your wisdom. And appreciate the opportunity to learn so much.
0: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: This episode is brought to you by intentional decisions that lead to massive success. No, those aren't companies promoting our show. They are qualities that you need to build your business and take control of your life. So to help you out, I'm offering my most popular worksheets to help you plan the future you want and audit your calendar today. The best way to get what you want is to know what it is and start making sure that your calendar matches. You can download them free today at addvaluemindset.com. If you will take action by just completing these two activities, they will change your life and business. I promise you a new level of results in the coming year. The problem is that we make things so complicated and we lose focus on what is really important. These tools will help you refocus on what matters most. When you align your passion with your purpose in your work, you can be happier and start doing the things you wanted to in the first place, like spending more quality time with the kids. To get your free copy of the tools to start tackling your busy schedule, go to addvaluemindset.com. If you enjoy the show, please like, subscribe, leave a review. But most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who needs to hear it. Share, share, share. In our next episode, Darren Virasami and Robert discuss personal development and the power of knowing your strengths. As a co-founder for 34 Strong, he helps individuals and teams focus on their strengths and apply them directly to their life and work.